Good morning. Good to see y'all here. Thankful that you've joined us in the Lord's house this morning to study His Word and to worship Him together. This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, if you would turn in them to Psalm 32 or turn them on to Psalm 32. This morning, as we finish up the, the short series that we've been in, as we've been looking at Psalms of Thanksgiving, again this morning we're going to see a psalm, specifically a psalm by David here, where he is doing what we've seen the other psalmists do. He is writing in the psalm about something that he has experienced. Uh, and whenever you study the psalms, whenever you study about the psalms of thanksgiving, as we often call them, they're many times also referred to as psalms of testimony because the psalmist is telling God thank you for something that they have personally experienced. But again, their hope is to stir up in us that we would be thankful for those same things. So what we'll see David uh, speaking about this morning, what we'll see David thanking the Lord for, the hope and prayer is that you also would be able to identify with this and that you also, that we also would be thankful this morning for what we'll see in Psalm 32. For time's sake, because in just a little while we are going to come together before the uh, the Lord's table and observe the Lord's supper. So for time's sake, we will not look at the entire psalm this morning. We will follow up with a little bit of it in our midweek service this week. But this morning, we're going to mainly focus on verses 1 and 2. So if you would look there with me. Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. What I want us to do this morning before we come and observe the Lord's Supper together <clears throat> is I want us to look and I want us to make much of Jesus Christ this morning. That's what I want us to do. I want us to partake of the Lord's Supper, but I don't want it to be just we're doing this because they passed it out and this is what we're doing, but I want it to be that we truly celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ gave his body and gave his blood and died in our place. I want us to be thankful for that. I want us to be excited about that. I want us to be joyful about that this morning. So in order to make much of Jesus' sacrifice, in order to make much of Jesus' forgiveness that we have, I want us to begin, as I see David doing here, by making much of his sin. I think if we understand how undeserving we are, of Jesus dying in our place we'll be more thankful for the fact that he did die in our place so what I want us to do is in these two verses there are three different words that are used for sin for his sin for our sin that I think that we'll all be able to identify with and I want us to start there I want you to start this morning by thinking about your sin about your brokenness about without Christ on your own the wickedness that lives inside of all of us so this morning, the first one that we see in verse 1 is translated in the English Standard Version that I have as transgression. It says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. And when you look at this word, it, all three of these are very specific words. All three of these have at least part of the connotation or the idea of sin. But this one specifically is the idea of sin as rebellion. It's this idea of us knowing better, knowing what's expected of us, knowing what we should do, but deciding to do the other thing anyway. Now, I don't know about y'all, 
But this is one of the hardest things for me to deal with in life. Whether it's uh, a church member or a friend or one of my children or my dog. It doesn't matter who it is. If I have told you, do not do that. Very clearly and plainly. And I know that you heard me. And I know that you understood it. And I say, please don't do that. And then you do it anyway. And I know that you knew better and that you just don't care. Isn't that hard to deal with? It is for me. I guess some of y'all are much more patient and kind and gracious people. But it's hard for me to deal with. But here's the reminder right here. That's us. And now that's not just us before we were Christians. Let's be honest. That's me this week. This week, there have been things in God's Word that I knew that I should have done or that I shouldn't have done. Things that I shouldn't have neglected, but whenever I decided how I was going to spend my time, I willfully chose to neglect those things. God said, Zach, do this, and I knew I should have done it, and I didn't do it. There have been things on the opposite side that he said, do not do this. Do not think this way. Do not look at people this way. Do not act this way toward people. And I knew that I shouldn't have. And in an act of rebellion, decided that I would do it. Anyway. And the thing that is hardest for me to deal with in other people, I do all the time towards God. And I think that most of you this morning, if we're honest, know that this is you as well. We've heard it in Sunday school. We've heard it in the sermon. We've read it in our daily reading time. We know that we shouldn't do it or we know that we should do it. We know that it's what God wants and what God expects and we just simply do it our way anyway. We have all transgressed the teachings of God. We have all rebelled against God in this way. The second one is also in verse 1 and it's simply translated as sin. It says the one whose sin is covered. And this is the, the normal rendering, the, the normal idea of sin, the two ways that I saw it this week as I was studying that, that meant most to me, uh, it was described as a turning away from the right path. So I know that this is right, but I've turned away from this right path, whether knowingly or unknowingly, either way I'm not. Another way that I saw is it said missing a target that I should have or already was aiming for. Right? This is the target, this is the goal, doing this or not doing this, and I have just simply missed the target. Right? I've sinned. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. This was the right path, and I've turned away from that path. And I don't think I even have to ask the question this morning, have any of you missed the mark before? Because I know that we have all missed the mark before. I don't have to ask you if we've missed the mark today. I would say that almost every one of us has missed the mark somewhere in some way already this morning. And then there's one last one, and it's in verse 2. It says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. And it's that word, iniquity. And this is a hard word. It's a very specific word in the original language, and it's one that's hard to translate. But to try and help you understand, and it's, it's this idea of not just that I've done wrong, not just that I've sinned, but it's, it's putting together the fact that I've done wrong and I feel the guilt for what I have done wrong. It's this idea of not only doing something wrong, but guilt is a strong thing here. And this word, this word that we see is iniquity, that sometimes could be translated as sin, but it's specifically not just that I lied, but I feel terrible and guilt 
and shameful because I lied. I feel like I'm unworthy and I feel like I'm a bad person because of the sin that I've committed. Whether it's lying or hating someone or, or not spending time with God or, or being less than gracious to my family or to my co-workers. Whatever it is, you do that thing and then you feel this terrible guilt for that thing. And it also carries the idea of punishment. I feel guilty and I know because I'm guilty that I deserve to be punished. Very specific word. It's a very hard word. One that many of us struggle with and we hate this feeling. We hate to feel guilty. We hate to feel bad. We hate to feel like we're terrible people. But many times when we sin, this is something that we deal with. Point one this morning is simply this. We are all guilty of sin and our sin is a terrible thing. We are all guilty of it. And for all of us, our sin is a terrible thing. Sometimes whenever we've been Christians long enough, we kind of lose sight of that because we're good and they're not. Right? Those people out there are terrible and they do bad things and they do terrible things. But the reminder this morning is, so do we. And at once we were those out there. We were completely lost and separated from God. Maybe some of you here this morning are still there. You're completely separated from God. But even those of us that are reconciled to God in Christ, we still sin. We still miss the mark. We still rebel. We still sometimes feel this guilt for things that we have done wrong. But there's another part of these two verses. I don't want y'all to get sad. Some of y'all are starting to frown. And y'all never smile, but whenever you start to frown, it's really bad. So I want you to stop frowning for a moment. Because here, remember, we're going a path here. And so now I've made much of our sin. I hope and I pray this morning that you understand that we are, we deserve to be guilty. Right? We deserve to be punished. We deserve to be put aside by God. We deserve to be separated from Him. That's what we deserve. All of us, not just the worst of us, all of us. That's what we deserve. But there's something else that's really beautiful in these verses. Because David, speaking from experience, this isn't hypothetical, from experience he says, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. He says, blessed are you, happy should you be, joyful do you feel when you have rebelled and you knew better and you did it anyway. And for that you were forgiven. When you knew that you shouldn't have done it and you did it anyway and the person that you did it against, right, your mama told you, don't eat that cookie before supper and you ate that cookie anyway and then mama looks at you and says, I forgive you for eating that cookie. What a blessing that is. And David says, that's how I am with God. I have rebelled against God. I have transgressed his teachings and I'm forgiven anyways. What a blessing this is. And then whenever he talks about his sin, whenever he says he's missed the mark, the fact that he's missed the mark, the fact that he's turned from the right path is covered up by God. God doesn't pay attention to it. God puts it to the wayside. He removes it as far as the east is from the rest. As far as the east is from the west, right? He covers our sin. He covers our sin with the blood of his son. And David says, blessed is the one whose misses have been erased. 
have been covered. And then the last one, and this is really where we're going to end for this, says, blessed, in verse 2, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Counts no guilt. Counts no deserving of punishment. Yes, blessed is the one who has done wrong, who has been set free, is what this verse is saying. So in this verse, though, in, in verse 2, that first part, it carries when it says, uh, whom the Lord counts no, it's this idea of imputed. And I know that's probably a word you've heard, and it's one of those church words, and I try not to use church words too much. But this is a church word that every Christian should understand. Whenever God imputes something to you, what he does is he takes something that's not necessarily yours and he credits it to your account. Or something that should be yours, he doesn't credit to your account. Like you go to your bank account and it should say zero and you look and it says that there's money in there and you know that that's not your money. Somebody has put that in there. It's this idea. Or there should have been money in there and there's not money in there. And that's not an exciting thing. But what he says here is, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. He looks at our account that should say guilty. He looks at our account that should say we are shamed for what we've done. He looks at our account that should say deserving of punishment. And he counts no punishment. And he counts no guilt. And he counts no shame. He takes all of it away. Our account, as Brother Shane showed earlier, is set free from all of the things that should be there in the eyes of God when we have come to Him in faith through Jesus Christ, His Son. That's what He does for us. Dusty read a verse earlier that I want to read to you again, 2 Corinthians 5.21. You don't have to turn there, but I will. And as I read it to you this morning, I just want you to listen to this idea and think about it because it's the reverse of what we just talked about. 2 Corinthians 5.21, thinking about imputed. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Where in our account there should have been something, there should have been guilt and shame and there wasn't, in Christ's account where there shouldn't have been guilt and there shouldn't have been shame and there shouldn't have been punishment, God imputed to him all of those things. God took our sin and he put it in Jesus' account and then Jesus went to the cross and where there should have been no punishment, he punished him. For every sin that you and I and anyone else has ever committed, Christ went to the cross and he paid for that. He took that in his account, and he paid that bill. Why? So that you and I and our account could have the righteousness of God. You see, the fact that in our account there's nothing, the fact that on our piece of paper it's completely clean, it's not that way because God's a bad bookkeeper. It's not that way because God just wants to overlook it. No, it's that way because Jesus Christ has already paid the bill. The reason that we can have an account that has the righteousness of God is because Jesus took an account that had our sin. God imputed to him our sin so that he could impute to us his righteousness. 
and brothers and sisters, hear this. If you don't hear anything else, if they're asleep, wake them up. I want you all to hear this. When you stand before Jesus Christ one day, on the day of the Lord, on the day of judgment, when you stand before him, there is one thing, one thing that you can say that will be satisfactory. And it's not going to be that I went to Sunday school this many times. Some of you have pens because you never missed a day of Sunday school for years. It will not be that I tithed this much. It will not be that I was deacon. It will not be that I was pastor of Mount Zion. It will be that I came to your son, that I came to Jesus Christ in faith, and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and it's the only thing that I have to lay here before you today, God. The imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ is the only thing that will ever get any sinner into heaven. Brothers and sisters, if you don't have that, then you have no hope. If you don't have Christ's righteousness by coming to him in faith, then you have no hope of ever being granted eternal life in Jesus Christ. But the beauty is, today, if you're here and you know that you don't have that imputed righteousness, it's already been made available because he took your punishment and he took your sins on himself. So if you're here today and I'm saying a bunch of these things and you say imputed and you say righteousness and you say sin and guilt and you say, brother, I don't understand any of those things. That's okay. I would love to be able to sit down with you and talk about it in non-church plain language. We don't have the time for me to go through the whole idea of imputed righteousness or imputed sin today, but I would love to talk to you about that. If you're a church member and you just want to understand it better and you don't come and tell me, I would love to talk to you about it. I would love to sit down and discuss it, but this morning, here's what I want you to understand. If you're here and you're a Christian, if you're here and you're forgiven, it's only because of Jesus Christ, and we need to be more thankful for him. If you're here today and you're a forgiven sinner, you need to understand that you didn't deserve to be forgiven, that your sin is terrible, but he's forgiven you anyway. But also, if you're here today and you're not forgiven, this is what I want you to hear. It's been made available to you. And if that's something that you're interested in learning more about, come and see me. In just a moment, when we have our time of invitation after the service, come and see me. Come and see Brother Dustin. Let us talk to you about it. Let us explain it to you. Because, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. I want to invite y'all to stand this morning. Before we come to the Lord's table, I know that there may be some here that the Lord has spoken to you that's dealing with something. I want you to have an opportunity to take a few moments and to respond to him this morning. You can come and pray at these altars or pray where you are. There's no special power at these altars. You can come and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. If you have questions, come. I'd love to answer those. We'll set up a time that I can answer them if you've got a whole bunch of them. But I want you to do what the Lord calls you to. I want you to respond to him this morning as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.